0: This is IAQ Radio, Indoor Air Quality Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry. With your host, Radio Joe Hughes, and the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. And now, Radio Joe Hughes. Good day and welcome to IAQ Radio Plus. This week is
1: episode 639, and we welcome back Nate the House Whisperer Adams. We're going to talk about HVAC 2.0 indoor air quality, and the art of the possible. We'll be right back after we thank our sponsors. Our marquee sponsor is Instascope at instascope.co. Our association sponsors are the American Industrial Hygiene Association, AIHA.org, the American Conference of Governmental Industrial Hygienists, ACGIH. Dot .org The Cleaning Industry Research Institute CIRIscience.org The Indoor Air Quality Association org The Restoration Industry Association restorationindustry.org The Institute for Inspection Cleaning and Restoration Certification IICRC.org Healthy Buildings America 2021 HB2021 hyphen industry sponsors are aeml laboratories aemlinc.com particles plus particlesplus.com gray wolf sensing solutions graywolfsensing.com tsi inc tsi.com sunbelt rentals sunbeltrentals.com april air april aire.com Healthy Indoors Magazine, HealthyIndoors.com.
0: And now you can win a cool prize. It's time for the IAQ Radio trivia question. Be the first to correctly answer. Simply email your answer to Zlotnick at cs.com. Or if listening live, just text your answer from your computer. And now, here's the Z-Man. Hello, everyone. Congratulations go out to Bruce White, Fountain Valley, California, who was first to identify fall protection as the most commonly cited uh, violation by OSHA. The IQ Radio Trivia question for today, September 24, 2021, has been sponsored by TSI Inc., an industry leader in precision instrumentation for the monitoring of indoor air. Learn how to expand your IAQ investigations at TSI Dot com here's today's IAQ radio trivia question name this device consisting of three components used to measure the air tightness of buildings airflow between building zones duct air tightness and to physically locate air leakage sites within the building envelope back to you joe Thank you, Cliff. Nate the House Whisperer Adams
1: is the author of the Home Comfort book and has helped numerous clients make their homes healthier, more comfortable, and able to run on clean electricity. He and his partners have adapted that upgrade process into what they call the HVAC 2.0 program, which gives HVAC contractors a business model to deliver the same results for their clients while enjoying their work more and being more profitable. His focus on residential electrification retrofits earned him the moniker, the father of Electrify Everything, from Pamela Bartholomew, CEO of Building Decarbonization Coalition. He splits his time between living in Cuyahoga River in Hiram, Ohio, and a former West Virginia coal mining village with his wife and young daughter. And I believe you're joining us from West Virginia now. Nate, welcome back to IAQ Radio.
2: Great to be back, Joe.
1: I got a copy of the book by the way right here. I got to keep it up on the you got to plug that. But it's a good book too by the way. I like the way you compare an HVAC system in a home to a car. It, it kind of helps drive home a lot of the key points. We got so, a slide on that later. All right. Well, let's let's jump right into it Nate. Um, you know, we had Dr. Joe on a couple of weeks back. We we got through a lot of his book, but we unfortunately had to cut it short on the HVAC section and um, I wanted to kind of, you know, bring you in and see if we can clean up a little of the HVAC stuff and and also get people to know what you're up to these days, because, you know, we've had you on in the past. We've talked about HVAC, but I'm really impressed with the program you're developing. I I keep an eye on you guys on Facebook, both electrify everything and the HVAC 2.0 program. Um, First, I understand you got a chance to listen to Joe and, and I wanted to see if you had any comments on those shows.
2: Well, first off, I'm, I'm not going to go against Joe on very much. Uh, that, <laughs> that, that, that is a sure way to lose an argument. Um, there's maybe a few things we'd play on, but not that much. But uh, uh, it, I I really appreciated him coming on and saying, so 30 years ago it held, but now we use different materials and different methods um, and we have different HVAC equipment, so it needed an update, um, and I agree. And so I was, I was reminded a couple of years ago at Healthy Buildings Summit, I gave that presentation, the coming mold explosion, which yes. is here, by the way. Um, it's no longer coming. It's here, uh, which is good for those of you in the mold industry. Um, but uh, ideally, we don't want to just clean it up. We want to change the conditions so it can't recur. Um, and, the the modern building materials, uh, it's, what is it? I think he calls OSB mold food. Um, I, you know, was, assuming,
1: wood, was, was wood,
2: was wood, was <laughs> wood. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, Joe's full of sayings way more so than I am, I think. Uh, but, uh, it, so he dug into a lot of how do we keep water out? And then like, like he talks about, you have to assume that water's going to get in. So you give it away back out. Um, so for this conversation, I want to assume that the building shell is decent, maybe not great, but let's assume we don't have any bulk moisture problems. We don't have water flowing into the house. So basically we have a good building to begin with. Um, but then once that happens, we have a great deal of moisture that's going to be in the air as vapor. Um, you know, and when it's humid outside, it's coming in. So we still need to deal with the moisture in the house. And that is the job of the HVAC system. So we need to get the house dry. Um, And drying is done with dehumidification. Like that's, that is the path.
1: Let's go to the slides you gave us, Nate. And and I think you're actually going to kind of... uh... Review a little bit of what Joe went over with respect to, you know, why we have these problems we're having today. But uh, let's look. There's the coming mold explosion. Go to the next one there, Joe. That's a pretty GIF. good one, I like too, that by one. The way. <laughs> all right. So here's our tipping points.
2: Yeah. So th- this was the crux of that presentation. So we've got all of these stacked risks, any one of which might not kill us, but all of them together, uh, we're going to make buildings last a lot less uh, years and we're much more likely to get sick in them. Like uh, starting in 2015, uh, childhood asthma has been causally linked to damp buildings. I mean, it makes sense. Like if you live in a place that's uh, too wet, you're going to get sick or you're going to be sick more often. Uh, but these are the stack risks. So over time, dew points are up. Um, so since 1950, dew points in Cleveland, are up five degrees. Mm. Um, which is a big deal uh heavy downpours are up so we're getting one inch rain events a lot now more so than we used to
1: in mm. um, some country. well i, mean, I guess it
2: depends yeah. yeah and mm. this this is my east coast bias so the the west coast listeners are thinking geez i wish that stuff had come here um <laughs> but but I, like- I think
1: they are getting heavy downpours just not enough I, but I could be wrong. I mean, we've we got a couple roughly, from out well, west on the on the line here, so maybe they'll text us.
2: It's uh, all the lakes out west are getting really, really low right now. Yeah. Um, so there's it's not good out west. But in the east, we have a lot of problems, and this is this is mainly east of the Mississippi. I'm talking about here. Uh, so the the third item is that HVAC dehumidification is down. So there there is no free lunch, which we're going to get to. Um, more efficient. HVAC um, just reduces how much dehumidification it does, um, so we need more dehumidification, but our HVAC's delivering less, so that's a problem. Engineered building materials, which we already touched on, so modern building materials are more moisture sensitive than you know old wood, which just kind of shrugs off moisture, plus we overheated our houses because they weren't insulated um so we dried them out in the winter uh and then the last one which the when i wrote this presentation i had been to a house in south carolina we were trying to figure out why it was going sideways and the trees growing bigger over 10 years shaded the house enough to tip it into having problems Uh, so it's all of these factors together are working together and the way to deal with them is hvac which we'll get to let's
1: go to the next one john Oh, here's my guy, John Tooley. Go ahead. Tell us a little bit about John Tooley here, Nate.
2: (laughs) Tooley is a legend. Um, He developed a whole lot of the technologies and the processes that we know now for using building science well to make houses awesome um, and buildings in general. Uh, So he's totally a legend and it's cool that I get to know him, Uh, but I, I asked him for that presentation Uh, you know, what, what are you noticing with humidity where you live? And that this is what he told me. Dew points are usually in the upper sixties, um, uh, in the summer at my home in South Carolina this summer, they were
1: consistently in the
2: seventies and eighties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm noticing the same thing.
1: John Tooley did one of the best summer camp presentations. I, I remember it like it was yesterday, and it was all about having processes. And we're going to talk a lot more about the process you use with HVAC 2.0 a little bit later. Let's go to the next one, John.
2: So this was what opened my eyes to it. This was an article from 09 that I remember seeing in the Cleveland Plain Dealer uh, that nighttime temperatures were up. So it wasn't the daytime temperatures that were killing us. It was the nighttime and nighttime temperatures have a huge effect on dew points. Cause if it doesn't uh, like if nighttime temperature doesn't go below 70 dew points, not going to go substantially below 70. And that's sticky. Like nobody likes 70 degree dew point. That's when it feels like you can cut the air with a knife. Um, So if it doesn't get cool at night, it doesn't suck the moisture out of the air into the grass and into the ground. Um, and so with those running higher, that means our uh, daytime dew points are running higher as well. Um, right. go to next one, John. And this was this shows it. a slide. Yep. Yeah. So we're up from 59 to 62 degrees since 1980 uh, up to 2015. So this is half of the 50 year period that I mentioned. Wow. Next. Now, the the real killer is actually the time of the year that we're in right now, which is shoulder seasons where it's 70 or 75 degrees outside but it's humid and the nights aren't getting particularly cold so this is September for a client house and you can see that his dew points that entire month with the exception of maybe one day are over 55 what does Lou Harriman um, and the moisture guide say is the the key dew point to stay below
1: keep it below 55 and they're above almost every day there
2: Yep. Yeah, it's just that one little dip at the end of the month for a few hours that it goes below 55. So uh, this is the really challenging time to deal with. And wherever you are in the country, if you live in a humid climate, you have a couple months of this. Your months will be different, but you're going to have a couple months of this to deal with. And this is when houses get sick. Next. So uh, this is dpcalc.com, point Calculator. Uh, I highly recommend that everybody be aware of this tool, just a quick little website, but you can put in temperature and dew point and it'll solve for relative or uh, temperature and relative and it'll solve for dew point. And then it also shows you what the risks of various things happening. So I put in here 75 degrees and 83% relative humidity, which is a 70 degree dew point and note the mold risk. Uh, the days to mold is eight. So that's yeah. fairly quick. Um, So next, John. Now, with those same conditions, if you're in the basement or crawl space, which is going to be cooler because it's connected to the earth, you're at 100% relative humidity there. And now your days to mold are two, and you're probably going to hold that high risk pretty much all the time. And this is why basements smell bad, because Mm -hmm. they're not dry. So next. Next. Now, if you can dehumidify that same 68-degree basement to 55-degree dew point, what happens to the mold rest, Joe?
1: It's gone.
2: So you still got some corrosion and aging. This was built for keeping artwork well or in, in good shape. That's what this tool was built for. But it's used for okay, interesting. So this is done by the Image Permeance Institute. So hmm. next. Um, so the the way that we deal with... That that high risk is we have to dry that air. All right, next. next. And this is where air conditioners come into play. Uh, air conditioners have two primary functions: they remove heat and they also remove humidity. And so, I need to introduce technical terms. A lot of people here will be used to this, but uh, removing heat is called sensible heat. And humidity is called latent heat. It's actually phase change. You're taking it from vapor and turning it into a uh, liquid. Um, so this is what air conditioners do. Now, old air conditioners, you know, like an old school eight seer, you know, makes a ton of racket. It, they act like a giant sponge. So they're probably doing 50% sensible or heat removal and 50% latent or humidity removal work. So they are awesome at keeping a house dry, but they're not very efficient. So next. Now, if you look at a 15 sear air conditioner, uh, which is a reasonably efficient one now, they will oftentimes only be running 90% sensible. Remo- uh, well, they'll, they'll not only they'll be doing 90% sensible or heat removal and only 10% latent or humidity removal. And that's a problem because we're, we're building houses tighter, like Joe was saying, So we're reducing our cooling loads, our our sensible heat load, but we are increasing or keeping the same, our latent load. So this is when houses go sideways. So when you get a new air conditioner, we hear this all the time in the HVAC industry. Oh, so I got a new AC. It's the same size. How come my house is, I can't keep my humidity under 70%. This is why. And
1: in addition during those shoulder seasons you mentioned, it's going to be running less often as well.
2: Yep, exactly. Yeah, and in a shoulder season, there's there's no reason for it to run because there's not enough heat for it to remove. And that's what kicks the thermostat on. All right, next. So one of the solutions here is a new school inverter heat pump, um, which is variable speed so that they can slow way down. And what you need is, You want to be able to ramp down to the lowest point possible so that um, if the the air conditioner does get a call for cooling, it runs for as long as possible and keeps that coil cold. This is all related to coil temperature. If you increase the coil temperature inside, you increase the efficiency of it because you can pull more heat out of it per unit of energy, but you lose dehumidification. Uh, but these inverter systems will s- step way down and they can also automatically lower coil temperatures and so they 're still pretty good dehumidifiers and they act kind of like that old eight sear um, sponge um, now what 's
1: the price difference between this new school inverter and the last slide the the newer without the inverter
2: um, it's it 's a a pretty decent size difference, or I should say it was. So it used to be two or $3,000 for the equipment different. Okay. Um, And maybe four because you might need a different air handler and then you need a different thermostat to control it. So like you're going way up line. The the inverters uh, until just the last year or two, have been the very highest end equipment. So they're double or triple the cost of the cheap stuff. Um, and then you get markups and you know extra work and that sort of thing. So they can look a lot more. The good news is, like the unit that I just put on this house is a Bosch. And yep. that's um, it. So communicating equipment is where the indoor unit, the outdoor unit, and the thermostat all talk to each other. And they they use the algorithms to optimize what's going on. This unit, the outdoor unit's smart, but the other two aren't. Um, but the outdoor unit's trying to maintain the the temperature of the coil, so it varies up and down uh, nearly infinitely between 25 and 110 percent. So this is a new technology that's coming out. And like Lennox just announced a pro, uh, product, the Daikin Fit is a similar product. So there's lots of things that are coming out that instead of being three times as expensive, are more like one and a half or two. Um, so we're, we're not talking giant jumps. And so even if you get a furnace, you can stack one of these heat pumps on top. And it's a backup heat source. And then it's variable speed. So it also acts as a better dehumidifier. It's still not perfect. But you can, it'll run somewhere between that super efficient 90% sensible, um, but then it's capable of going to in the 50% latent range like that old school 8-seer sponge.
1: Okay, let's go to the next one, John. All right, so we're going to review these tipping points real quick.
2: Yep, so stack risk; these are the things we're dealing with. So we still have the dew points to deal with, heavy downpours. We talked about HVAC dehumidification being a problem, new school building materials that don't like moisture and increased shading. So next. All right. Next. Um, So the solution to all of this, so the variable speed air conditioners uh, and heat pumps, that's good, but still in the shoulder seasons like we're in, there just isn't any cooling load. So the house just gets wet. I mean, particularly in the fall. I mean, it's been raining for months. Um, Everything is wet. Um, And it's warm. So all of those lead to more moisture. So on-demand dehumidification is generally required to deal with this. So next. And there's two different ways to deal with this. You can do a whole house dehumidifier. Um, So the, the picture here is one that we installed a few years back. Or you can do what's called reheat dehumidification. So we'll touch on both of these next. All right. So here's a whole house dehue. This was a, a pretty cool install. This, uh, when I post pictures of this full system, uh, it tends to blow HVAC contractors' minds because it's a really nice hybrid system mixed with this uh, big uh, dehumidifier. And-, and this
1: is tied into the existing HVAC system. Yep, yep. So ductwork. You're using yep. the existing ductwork on this one. You could also use it like I have here. Uh, put in your separate, uh, okay. separate ductwork.
2: Okay. You know, there's a bunch of different ways and actually the way i have this one piped is the way the ultra air now recommends against which is return return so both sides of this uh, dehu are going to the return and then, excuse me the uh the third duct is going to the outdoors to bring in fresh air so this is called a ventilating dehumidifier not just a whole house dehumidifier
1: and it also has a good filter these april air has similar products um yep. I, i'm not sure who else does but uh they also, I love it. I mean, you got your filtration, which is a MERV 13. I don't know what they have in the, in the uh, April air, but it's very similar. Um, I know that uh, they also can do ventilation and, and of course you're, you're removing that moisture. So they are a, a really nice, I've been very happy.
2: It's a killer tool. So in our Ohio house, I have one just like this sitting in the attic because I don't have any ductwork on that house yet. So it's serving to bring in outdoor air, and then I put the returns in two of the bedrooms and the supply in the living room, um, and uh, that really helps keep the house dry and comfortable.
1: You know, and I just I run it all night too, just on with the fan on because it's filtering and moving air back into the bedrooms, and it's and I've got bad allergies, and this time of the year it really helps.
2: Yep. Well, we'll get into that. Those are a couple of the six functions of HVAC.
1: All right. Let's go to the next one, John. Oh, and there, were, they, they, we'll go back one. I'm sorry. The price is very important, right? Three yeah, to six yeah. K installed.
2: Yep. Yeah. Somewhere in that ballpark. And these typically have somewhere between a five and a 10 year life. So the odds are very high in the life of one HVAC system. You're going to buy two of them. Um, so that's something to be aware of, Okay. Uh, which plays into reheat, which we'll come into next. Uh, well, in a minute, we'll show uh so it, this is the sense energy monitor uh, at my old house with this unit running so uh, it's pretty impressive the xt155 only pulls 770 watts to do 155 pints of work plus 350 cfm that's pretty stinking impressive frankly efficiency wise because mm-hmm. um, a standard basement dhu is somewhere between 5 and 600 watts to do 70 pints mm. so you get two and a quarter times the capability Um, plus a bunch of airflow for not that much more electricity, you know, another third of electricity. So these are nice to know of, Um, but they still use a decent chunk of juice. So next. Um, uh, So in general, I found that it used between three and four kilowatt hours per day. Uh, So they were talking like 15 or 20 bucks a month to run. Okay. uh, At that kind of level. Um,
1: But you may also run your air conditioning less. Yep. It, because you're dehumidifying. And that's what I found. I have a mini split here as well. I used it maybe five or six days all summer this year. And it was yeah, a
2: pretty exactly. hot summer. Yeah, 75 degrees and 50% or 45% relative humidity. Most people find comfortable. And there. most importantly, men and women both find it comfortable.
1: Oh, uh, interesting.
2: So it reduces thermostat wars if you can reduce humidity. Um, I'll
1: bet that came from Robert Bean.
2: <laughs> that's one of them yep yep uh it's a it's i never did get the the second chapter of my book comfort 102 done um but it is an ode to robert bean okay so, let's go to the next stuff. one go. so here's how reheat works this is reheat dehumidification and this is
1: very this is pretty new right this whole option of having the reheat i mean it could be it's been done for years and in commercial
2: uh, it's 50 years old Um, in residential, there's really only one system that we know of that does a great job of it, um, which is a carrier Bryant's and ICP, um, their top of the line thermostat does a good job, but here's how it works. So you run hot or, or moderate temperature, humid air through the air conditioning coil. And like we were talking about, it removes heat and humidity, but the problem is now you've got cold, dry air and you have a house that doesn't need any cooling. So if you overcool the house, you're going to get complaints. Ask me how I know. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) I do whisper to houses. So uh, um, what you end up wanting to do is reheat that air. So you want to add the heat back to the air in one way or another so that it comes out dry and somewhere close to room temperature. And so there's two ways to do that. There's hot gas. Uh, Well, there's actually three. You can use a boiler, which is what commercial does. Um, but in a house, you're not going to have a boiler kicking around for this. Uh, so your, your realistic options are hot gas, which is you take the, the hot refrigerant that just went through the coil, uh, to cool the air, and then you run it through another coil, um, and you add the heat that it took out back to the air. So that's one way. That's how a dehumidifier works. That's totally what they do. Um, and the other option is you can do electric reheat, which sounds insane. It's running the air conditioner along with the backup heat strips right right uh, so next and this is the objection that i get then uh so i've got the scream here at electrically <laughs> but the money! Um, so if you don't know i'm a data guy where have you been um so next uh this is one of the reasons we like the the equipment that we normally use because it tracks energy use. And this has gotten me out of all kinds of binds through the years. And somebody's like, why is my bill so high? And I go and I look at it like, hmm. I mean, I, I caught one client growing stuff.
1: Uh, (laughs) (laughs) There's
2: 500 kilowatt hours. I have no idea what this is and silence on the other side. Like, oh, you might consider LEDs. (laughs) 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 <laughs> and then another client, uh, he was getting five and $700 per month, electric bills. And I was like, what's going on? And I go over and put, a uh, an energy monitor on because it was separate from this. So I knew from this, that it wasn't his HVAC, but we, we didn't know what it was. He had a five horsepower pump in his pond running 18 hours a day.
1: Okay. <laughs> um,
2: so, but if I hadn't I had- known what the <clears throat> HVAC was using, I wouldn't have gotten out of that bind right um you know right. it would have been a lot more work and he would have been angrier i'm like it's not me dude it's you <laughs> um, <laughs> so, uh, well, this, so anyway go ahead this is the worst house that we had for running reheat so this was a new house that was built in 18 and it used 1278 kilowatt hours for the year which is about 150 bucks for the year and almost all of this was in one month and uh it was I mean, it was a settings error on my part because I just didn't ask. I didn't think about it. So I set the reheat at 46% relative, which is as low as it would go. And I Mm. knew they weren't moving in, but I assumed they'd set the thermostat at like 75 or something reasonable. Well, they set it at 70 and then the house is still drying because it's new, so there's still moisture coming out of the basement walls and the basement floor and all the building materials so the I got a phone call Nate we got a hundred fifty dollar electric bill for a house we're not living in. What's going on um, and it was this, but the next month it used like twenty bucks and you can see twenty nineteen when I took this screenshot it hadn't yet used reheat at all hmm. uh, so and this is the worst one, so next. Um, so, this is a little thirteen hundred square foot house built thousand nine hundred that we worked on that I could not get humidity under control in this house um, so this is one of the ones I figured out how to turn this on so it 's using seven or eight hundred kilowatt hours for the year, which is like a hundred bucks yeah. uh, for the year less than ten
1: dollars a month I mean you know
2: and yeah. I, I mean a basement dehu is usually going to run thirty or forty bucks a month to run so okay. Uh, it, it depends on settings. And if you have a really loose house in a humid climate, this is going to be worse um, because the the humidity from outside is going to leak in. So humidity doesn't need uh, a, a real differential. It doesn't need an air leak to go through. It just goes from high to low through a hole. It doesn't care. Uh, so if you have a leaky house in a humid climate, yeah, you're going to burn more but you've got a leaky house in a human climate. That's not my problem. <laughs>
1: exactly. And then your H, the 2.0 program can take care of that if they want. All 100%. right. We've got to stop and thank our sponsors. We'll be right back with Nate, the House Whisperer Adams. Our marquee sponsor, Instascope. More jobs done faster with the future of IAQ assessment technology. Unlimited samples, instant results, and cloud-based data at instascope.co. association sponsors are AIHA, Healthy Workplaces, a Healthier World, AIHA.org, ACGIH, Advancing Careers of Professionals in Environmental Health, Industrial Hygiene, and Safety, Interested in Defining Their Science, ACGIH.org, The Cleaning Industry Research Institute, See more deeply through science and research, C-I-R-I, science. Dot org The Indoor Air Quality Association, IAQA.org. The Restoration Industry Association, the granddaddy of the restoration industry, restorationindustry.org. The IICRC, a non profit standards development and certifying body for the cleaning and restoration industry, IICRC.org. Healthy Buildings America, Honolulu, Hawaii, January 18 through 20. 2022 HB 2021-America.org. Industry sponsors are AEML Laboratories. Free shipping, great pricing, same-day results with no rush fee. AEMLINC.com. Particles Plus. Feature-rich particle counters and air quality instrumentation. Count on us. ParticlesPlus.com. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions. Over 20 years manufacturing accurate, reliable IAQ instrumentation for portable, short-term, and continuous monitoring. GrayWolfSensing.com. TSI Inc., an industry leader in precision instrumentation for monitoring indoor air. Learn how to expand your IAQ investigations. TSI.com. Sunbelt Rentals. Availability, reliability, and ease. For all your IAQ and restoration needs at sunbeltrentals.com. April Air, Healthy Air, Healthy Home, AprilAIRE.com. And Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Healthyindoors.com. All right, we're back with Nate, the House Whisperer, wh- whisperer Adams, and we're going through his. Uh, we're talking a little bit about HVAC, IAQ, and the art of the possible. Nate, let's go back to the slide deck, John. All right, we left off. Actually, it was perfect. I didn't even realize that it this was, was the perfect, next slide. Joe, All perfect. right, so
2: uh, so we, we just as long the- enough
1: you get one right here and there. Go ahead, uh, Every now now, is- we
2: got to do it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, we, we, we just discussed the two main ways to keep a house dry. So there's whole house, uh, dehumidifiers. Um, you can use spot dehumidifiers, but they just work. Okay. Um, it, it's better to, to sample the, the air of the entire house for it to work well. So whole house is better. Um, and then the other option is reheat dehumidification, which is not a super common feature. And again, that's why we like it, it uh, carrier and Bryant support for me has been, Utterly non-existent. Um, I figured everything out by calling fellow pros and being like, I can't get it to do this. What's going on? Um, And, oh, did you try this? Like, oh, I just didn't think of that one. Um, So their support has been less than (laughs) stellar, but the products are good. Um, uh, And it's the only one that does a good job on reheat. Uh, But anyway...
1: Where did this name come from? Badass HVAC, Nate.
2: (laughs) Yep, yep. So we're going to talk about badass, which pulls reheat into it. So actually, next slide, John. Um, It stands for Big Air Drop Air Source System. So uh, a drop, a return drop in a basement system is the duct that comes down and then it turns and then it goes back up through the system because they're almost all upflows in a basement. Um, And I posted a picture of the giant... Uh, drops that we do so typically they're eight inches wide by 24 inches deep and we do them that are more like 24 by 24 so somebody took a look at it and they said that's a big ass drop (laughs) boom bad done like it's normal like we see pictures of uh people all over the country just doing these now uh, and we'll we'll get to what that is you put the filter horizontally in it so there was the bad and then i'm like Well, it doesn't seem like anybody blinks an eye at badass anymore. You know, we got big ass fans and like all that stuff. So let's call it badass HVAC. What can we make ass stand for? And my buddy Eric Kaiser's like air source system, like done, because it works best with a a heat pump uh, as we'll get to, because you can't do without a heat pump.
1: All Um, right. Let's go to the next one.
2: Next. Here is the. What it looks like. This is a, a drawing of the system. Uh, So And it tackles all six of what we call the six functions of HVAC, which are load matching, that's meeting the heating and cooling load uh, as precisely as possible to what the house needs at that moment, good filtration, uh, good dehumidification, which we're talking about, uh, bringing in fresh air for some dilution. Um, good mixing, which is basically just running the fan all the time and stirring the house and filtering everything. And then humidification, depending on the clients and the climate um, uh, and the home. So those are the six. So this is what it looks like. But we actually now have built a, well, there's, there's a number of systems for clients that are in, but we just built a lab. If you want to go to the next one.
1: Go to the next, yeah. Uh,
2: this is called the Better HVAC Lab. And Better HVAC is a collaboration between HVAC 2.0 Haven Air Quality Monitors, which are pretty cool. Um, I'm a big fan of them, uh, and you know I'm I'm into air quality monitors, and this is by far my current favorite. All right, good to know. And then uh, Measure Quick, uh, which is Jim Bergman's uh, company, and uh, it, he can help you measure what's going on in an HVAC system, kind of like an OBD-2 in a car. So you go and clamp a few uh, sensors onto a system. You can watch temperature and humidity in supply and return, and then see what the, uh, the, the line temperatures are for the refrigerant. And it'll tell you all sorts of stuff about what's right and wrong on the system. It's, it's magic. Um, so all three of us are big into measurement. So we've collaborated on what we call better HVAC, which is making HVAC better primarily through measurements. Um, and it's this is new. This is the first time this has been on a podcast. Uh, but we collaborated to build this system um we call the Badass Lab. And uh this is actually heating and cooling Jim Bergman's Measure Quick office. And it lives uh, th- this unit here is in TrueTech Tools warehouse uh because okay. Jim shares offices there. Um, Bill friends, yep, Bill Spones, good buddy. Um uh and so this is literally the badass system so you can see the the filters it actually has three filters on it actually four um this thing's just insane it's got a couple of uv lights which uh, everyone should know I'm, pro- I'm not a giant fan of them but we can measure and see what they do yeah if if it does anything or if it makes something worse or, or if it makes it better um i'm data driven so uh, we'll, see what happens. It has, uh, a separate dehumidifier, which is sitting to the bottom, right. If you see yep. that little white machine. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this thermostat is capable of reheat dehumidification, but we, we haven't been able to get it to work the way that we want it yet. I'm not sure if it will. Um, uh, but it has the, the capability theoretically.
1: So um, you're not just throwing these in homes, you're testing them you know, and, and testing these systems on a regular basis.
2: Yep. Well, b- Badass HVAC came from a watching because we had about 40 FUBOT air quality monitors in client homes, yep. um, typically multiple per home. We've talked about that in the past. Uh, and so it's like, how do we control air quality pretty well? without having any way to actually control it directly because there's, there was no product on the market to turn things on and off. And actually, Haven has a market uh, program hitting right now and a product hitting that can do that. So now we have that capability in Resi where commercials had it for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, Badass came because I wanted to control air quality reasonably well and as automatically as possible. So that was what the system was designed to do: make a house really comfortable, really dry, um, bring in outdoor air, um, uh, and keep everything healthy. That was and the filter goal.
1: clean good. air too. I mean, you've got lower particulate in the air as well.
2: Yep, and that, I mean that helps with COVID as well. Oh yeah, COVID's oh, airborne, yeah. so it helps knock all the garbage out of the air.
1: All right, let's go to the next one. This is another shot of the same.
2: Yep. And that's, that's Jim uh, looking like Jim to a degree. He he can be very grumpy. He's hilarious. <laughs> um, uh, we, we, we have a great time when we get together, um, making fun of each other is his love language.
1: <laughs> Let's go to the <laughs> next one there, John. All right. So this is what we're trying to get rid of next, John. Okay. Go ahead, Nate.
2: Okay, so these are the six functions of HVAC, which we already touched on. Load matching, on. filtration, dehumidification, um, fresh air, mixing, and humidification. So next, yes. um, this is how I help people understand. So you, you mentioned this at the top of the show, uh, yes. how I compare the HVAC in a car, which everyone intuitively understands, to the HVAC in a house. And house HVAC generally sucks. So every car can do five of the six functions. They can't do humidification um most houses can't do any at least not well good point Um, next so it's important to understand and so badass is built to do all those next john um so we can just we already touched on that that earlier heat and humidity um one point i wanted to make while we're going through there this though is that fresh air often ain't fresh so this is the filter from that ventilating dehumidifier I showed earlier. This filter is six weeks old. Look how dark that top corner is. Hmm. That is from uh, the, it's right where the fresh air line is coming in. Okay. And this house is about a thousand feet from a highway.
1: Uh, okay
2: and so there was so much garbage in the air that it filtered that much out in six weeks i was blown away i wasn't expecting the the filter to be visibly dirty and it was actually blocked in a few places and sucked in some bugs as well um, so when you say fresh air for mechanical ventilation you should treat that too it needs to be filtered um, and heated or cooled you
1: know derek Denae sent a text that read my mind we used the term fresh uh, we moved away from using the term fresh air and only use outside air because of this issue yep all right next
2: so uh, just wanted to touch on what the big air drop is or big ash drop um so you can see that it's the giant return drop and this can work in an attic system or a horizontal system it just gets straightened out uh but uh it's the biggest piece to notice is how big it is. So it's usually 24 by 24 or thereabouts. You put the media filter sideways in it. uh, So horizontally, and that way the air hits the filter evenly and the air is going really slow and slow is key on good filtration. um, As Dr. Jeff Siegel will tell you, Uh, he was just on Corbett show talking about that. And I know that I learned this from him originally, actually I really should credit Badass HVAC comes from the healthy building summit in like 15 when you had him as keynotes. And he said, here's all the things we should care about. And then the air quality monitors came out and we started watching him. And I was thinking about his work and built the badass concept because of that.
1: And then we had Linda Wigington as well. And they were the Roxas program reducing outdoor contaminants in indoor spaces. And that's what this drop reminds me of putting in that filter media uh, instead of the way they normally have it, and then uh, the big wide radius returning fan. So that was uh, that's good to hear.
2: Yep, it's normal. And then there's also the the fresh air intake coming in, which is just a duct that goes to outdoors and comes in before the filter, so that air gets filtered. Nice. Um, and the nice thing about this is I've seen a lot of ERV and HRV failures where they just weren't maintained, and after a while the motors eat themselves. Um, if fresh air stops on this system, it's because the heat or the cool is out. So it will get attention.
1: (laughs) Yep. real quick,
2: (laughs) A service call is coming. So we, we like that. And then this is an inexpensive way to add outdoor air. All right. Uh, You don't need a separate piece of equipment. All right. Let's go to the next one. And this is the whole system. So this is tackling the six things. So load matching is done with a variable speed heat pump. Um, You can do it with a combination heat pump and furnace, but it works best with the heat pump only. Uh, There's good filtration through the media filter. Uh, You get dehumidification through reheat, which I didn't really touch on. I kind of did. It's running the air conditioner with resistance heat. um, Mm -hmm. And it works best if you have multiple stages so you can run the lowest possible stage of resistance heat. So you're not just burning energy for no reason. Um, But uh, uh, you can only add heat after the coil. So you can't do reheat with a furnace because the furnace comes ahead of the coil. You you can't Mm -hmm. pump heat into it. Um, So that's why you have to do it with a a heat pump. Um, The fresh air vent is there. Uh, Mixing is through the giant ductwork. So it, it uses almost no electricity to stir the air. It's 15 to 40 Watts is usually what we see for our fans on low and then a uh, humidifier.
1: Now I noticed you have the humidifier on this. And I, I think a lot of our audience that's in drier climates will probably be interested in your thoughts on the best type of humidification.
2: Um, I'm, I'm at the edge of my expertise at that point, but okay. the one that we usually use is a water saver humidifier because they use about two thirds less water. Um, they tend to be a little less gross because you don't end up with a big puddle that it's sitting in. Um, but like if you're moisture sensitive, be really careful. Um, like I wouldn't put a whole house, whole house humidifier on a moisture sensitive client's house.
1: You got to maintain them. You got to maintain them. You got to maintain them. Uh, We're going to have April air on uh, one of their reps coming on in two weeks. So we'll talk a lot more about humidification then. Let's go to the next one, John.
2: I should mention before we totally move on though, the really critical piece of humidification is having a controller that will reduce the amount of humidity it puts out according to outdoor temperature. Okay. So that you don't make the house wet um, because that's That's where you get in trouble. Um, And particularly because we prefer pressurization, which is what badass does like that outdoor duct that's only bringing air in and it's letting it uh, sneak out anywhere it can. So that's wonderful in, Spring, summer, and fall. Because if you keep the air dry and you're very gently pushing on the house, you're gonna dry the building materials out. Um, okay. So that's that's how you actually achieve what Joe was talking about: um, keeping the air in the house dry and then gently pushing on it. And it's really gently. I should mention because uh, I've I've clocked a bunch of houses with the blower door to see what it is with the the air handler running, and the mm-hmm. highest pressure I've seen is two pascals. Okay. Um, which is one fifty thousandth of an atmosphere. And that's the highest of clock. Usually we're just going from negative to pretty close to neutral is what you see. Okay. So, but you have to be careful with humidification in the winter. It um, causes all sorts of trouble. So this is the badass attic variation. So this is just putting it all on a straight line. And I've heard arguments over where the humidifier is. It's, it's a drawing. <laughs> it's not meant to be perfect. All right. <laughs> so next. No
1: Let's go to the next one.
2: This is doing badass in a hybrid variation. So if you're going to do it with a furnace and a heat pump, you have to use a ventilating dehumidifier um, or at least a whole house dehumidifier. There's no way around it because you need gotcha. that on-demand dehumidification. All right, next. And so these are the elements um, uh, that we already kind of touched on all these. So right-sized HVAC, good filter, all that stuff.
1: Yep. All right. Now, how do you sell this? That's the tough part, Nate. Let's talk about your process here.
2: Yep. So badass HVAC, it's meant to be simple and not a whole lot more money, but it's more work to do the big duct work because you're going to have to move some things around. And variable speed HVAC is a good bit more expensive than single stage. And running the duct to the outside is going to cost something. It's not a ton, but it's, you know, you probably need to sell it for a grand. Um, so all these things are jumping up the cost and about 85% of residential systems in the U S are single stage. So it's builder grade, cheapest crap we're allowed to sell. Um, mm-hmm. that's 85% of the market. So we have to find a way to increase the value to consumers. So there, I mean, value's always the, the game. Um, uh, it, we buy things cause we look at the price and think, oh, it's worth more than that. And then we hand over the money. But if it's not worth the money, they don't buy. So the way to do this is to figure out what bothers consumers, what problems you can solve for them, and then what it's worth to do. And uh, so there's three pieces. This is the, the Venn diagram from the HVAC 2.0 Comfort Console. So we have to figure out what client goals are, what their house needs, and then what their budget is and see if there is something we can do that matches those three. And And I love the
1: process, which I think we're going into next. Next Just switch over if you would, John. All right, before we do this, Nate, let's go to the roundup, John. (laughs) The Roundup is brought to you by April Air. Providing healthy humidity, ventilation, and air purity solutions for new and existing homes. April Air, healthy air, healthy home at AprilAire.com. All right. And and what a perfect sponsor for today's roundup, April right. Air. Yeah. All right. House so,
2: dehumidifiers.
1: You know, we were talking earlier about John Tooley, and he's, he's big on processes, processes, process. You have to go, and I love your process. And I think just so our audience understands, this process could work for other things, too. I mean, you know, you know it's, it's, it's not just for HVAC. It, and actually, you have it set up so that it's for whole house comfort as well. And, and I think you're selling comfort as much as anything. But go ahead and explain your process for us, Nate. And no. by the way, you got about 30 contractors doing this
2: right now, as I understand it. Correct. Yep. Yeah, With the goal of getting to 200 by the end of next year. All um, right. And we're already seeing this really begin to affect things. Like we're seeing memes from HVAC contractors that involve uh, blower doors and air leakage. Um, that's us. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> We've been mixing it up for years uh, and it's starting to show. Uh, so this is the simplified version of the HVAC 2.0 process. And it's basically, it's predicated on two questions. So the first one is, are there comfort problems to solve? And we ask clients four questions. Um, are there rooms that don't heat well? Are there rooms that don't cool well? Does anyone have respiratory issues in the house? And are there moisture issues in the house? And we have them rank that not yes or no, but a scale of zero where there's no issues to 10, that it's a massive problem. Um, and so if they score low, we just have uh, the, the contractor, and, well, we actually have the, the client, they choose between a free quote or a comfort consult. And if they don't have anything that's really bothering them, go do a free quote, change their equipment, move on with life, because they're probably going to be tire kickers and price comparators anyway. Um, and what we found is by taking the consulting out of the free quote, our guys are maintaining closing ratios, but having the amount of time that they're spending on free quotes. And what
1: percentage so- of people go for the free quote, mate?
2: We'll get to that in a minute, but it's 7% right. is what we're seeing. So then okay. the other path is if they do have problems, they do the comfort consult. Um, and the comfort consults basically the first half of an energy audit. So it's a long interview to find the details, what bothers them. It is a blower door test. We do zonal diagnostics, which is understanding which rooms leak the most. It's a look at the HVAC. Then we prioritize their, their problems. Then we ask them what it might be worth to solve them. Um And then there's a report that comes out of all that and recommendations. And what the comfort consult helps figure out is the second question, which is, is HVAC alone likely to solve the problem? And if the answer is yes, now we've run a load calculation. We know what the right piece of equipment is. They understand the value of doing something like a badass system, because that's all of our guys are basically selling nothing but variable speed and nothing but badass, um, like it's wild that they it just it's like we flip a switch for them and they're seeing huge ticket increases so fifty percent more money uh, at the bottom end and as much as three times the the job size otherwise and their closing ratios are going to between sixty and eighty five percent on these so you're hmm. going to sell something very likely and you're going to sell something big very likely because the process is is finding the value and then showing how to deliver it to the homeowner.
1: Is, is there a cost for the comfort consult?
2: Absolutely. Yep. Yep. Okay. Um, and we're seeing people charge between three and 500 We don't say what to charge, but that's kind of what people are doing. Okay. Um, but you have to look at it as you're getting paid to do a free quote, essentially. So it's it's basically reducing marketing costs is what it's ending up doing. Sure. Um, and then you're in- You're doing a
1: blower door and all that. I mean, that's a lot of work.
2: There's uh, a lot of work. Yeah. It's it's no yeah. joke doing these, but hey, again, it's it leading- to big jobs and high closing ratios. So the guys are happy. Okay. So so that's if the answer is yes, you sell a really nice HVAC system. If the answer is that HVAC won't solve the problem or HVAC alone won't, you do what we call the comprehensive planning process, which is what I'm known for. These are the, the heavy duty, serious projects um, that involve both building shell and HVAC. Right. Um, and so th- that's where if we didn't have that piece, the whole system breaks because what that allows any uh, HVAC contractor to do, and it's this is mainly aimed at HVAC because what we found is when we failed, we sold HVAC. <laughs> like anything we did wrong, sold HVAC. <laughs> it was just kind of obnoxious. Like, well, we need to build this for HVAC contractors. So here we are. Uh, but because a contractor can walk in and know with confidence that they can solve any problem of any difficulty level, um, they they can go in with their head held high and no other system has that.
1: Now, these are obviously contractors or they are partnered with someone that can do, do a blower door and, you know, understand those types of diagnostics. So they're a little more than the average HVAC contractor, at least in my area, who is used to changing out equipment. And that's what they do. They don't I, consult yep. on the shell. They don't do any of that. Okay.
2: So the HVAC contractors, they're all buying. All the 2.0 guys own a blower door. Gotcha. Um, it's the only uh, equipment requirement that we have in the program.
1: You don't have anybody that would like partner up with a, a consultant, like a, you know an energy auditor. Maybe they don't want to do the that part. Maybe they can partner with an energy auditor. I'm just curious.
2: I can see that coming down the road. But okay. as of right now, that's where we are because uh, they have to learn how to do it. It's just the classic thing of it's difficult to manage someone doing something if you haven't done that task. So you have to learn how to do it first. Um, But what it works out to, I don't know if John, you can put the next slide. The next one, there, John. Um, So what it works out to be, uh, yeah, the ER one. Um, so the way to look at this is like the medical system, because basically this turns people into doctors for houses. So uh, are there comfort problems to solve? If no, you go to the clinic, you know, it's you skinned your knee or whatever it is. It's something that's not a big deal. If there is a problem, you go to the ER and then the ER sorts you to either go straight to the operating room, you know, to get a bone set or whatever it might be, or to the intensive care unit. So mm-hmm. if you're really in trouble, so a hospital really only works well if it has the ICU, but the problem was we built the ICU first and didn't have the clinic or the hospital. So HVAC contractors allow us to have the clinic in the hospital as well.
1: Okay. And next.
2: Then the last next one there. Um, so this is how you ask the question, how does it work out? So are there comfort problems to solve? Typically about 70% of people say no, 30% go for the comfort consult instead of the free quote. And then of that 30%, almost all of them just buy HVAC. And then a few percent, so probably three out of a hundred go through the CPP, the comprehensive planning process. So you don't see a lot of the advanced retrofits, but it does sell a lot of really good HVAC, which makes people comfortable and healthy. And again, we sell a lot of heat pumps. So that's the renewable electricity piece.
1: Very nice. Next.
2: And then this is the advanced Uh, version of the uh, process, just so that you know, it's very much uh, regimented. uh, Our our first principle of HVAC 2.0 is the process is sacred. So if you ever see anybody say hashtag TPIS, that's what it is. Um, (laughs) So you have to do this in this order or things don't happen. It's based on the Sandler sales system. Um, So this is a combination. It's a sales process where you don't feel like you're selling, but then it's a diagnostic process. So basically, if doctors were for profit, this is what you would want it to look like.
1: Nice. Next.
2: And then this is just giving you next steps. If you're curious to learn more, um, go join the HVAC 2.0 Advanced Discussion uh, Facebook group. Um, And then the early steps are you give out HVAC 101, which is the second chapter of my book. It's a PDF. Um, That's the one that teaches you the difference between home and automotive HVAC. And then Sandler, you need to read some books because what we do won't make any sense at all until you get your head around that. And then we're presently working on, as my main task is getting a better onboarding course together because mm-hmm. this is, this is like changing religions. Like this is not a small mindset shift. So we find this takes people four to eight months to make the turn. Um, so you have <laughs> to commit to it and go learn and practice, and then you'll turn into a Jedi given enough time.
0: Cliff, let me have you jump in here. Any questions or comments? Yeah, I just have one. You know, Nate, you said that um, the contractor can walk in and and with his head held high and know that he has a solution to pretty much any problem that 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 they would run into. Mm-hmm. What happens if we have an old house? Let's say it's nineteen oh five. Let's say this house has hot water heat. Let's say it's a big house. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's say six bedrooms, four bathrooms. Uh, on three stories plus an attic and a basement and they don't have any air conditioning and we're looking to get air conditioning so Mm -hmm. would this be a it seems to me that they could use the existing heating system that they have because they don't have any complaints about it but they're looking to get air conditioning so it would seem that this system
2: yeah it'll absolutely handle that i mean it's this is meant to be like the medical field i mean Uh, Who shows up at a doctor's office? uh, The people that do, do they vary? Are they all the same? No, they're wildly different. So you Mm -hmm. have to build a process that can handle anything Mm -hmm. and do it the same way each time, even if what the result uh, varies. Because like, if you owned that house and I owned that house, um, the solution set would be a little bit different. Because our budgets and our goals would be a little bit different from each other. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and so actually, in fact, I'm helping uh, someone in Seattle right now do just that. Mm-hmm. So they have uh, hot water floor heat with a boiler and they want to electrify it and they don't have air conditioning. Mm-hmm. And Seattle hasn't needed air conditioning until it was 115 degrees this summer. Yeah, really? um, <laughs> And uh, so now they really want air conditioning. Right. Uh, so we have to add that. So yeah, th- that is one example of what you could do. This will also help deal with um, health challenged clients. Mm-hmm. Um, those are my least favorite though, frankly, because um, they, they need somebody helping them on the medical side. Right. Um, my my job is to help them and the HVAC 2.0 contractor. Uh, our job is to help them on the house. Right. Not necessarily on the rest.
0: No medical issues, so.
2: Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, that's a, are you talking about a certain house in Pittsburgh perhaps? No, not in
0: Pittsburgh. This is actually a house I'm consulting on in New Jersey that, that a fire in it actually. Okay. And uh, they mentioned HVAC and I thought of you right away and now uh, I have a solution. So um, you if you want to go to New Jersey or know someone that does, uh, I'll send you uh, the information.
2: I've got a good hydronic buddy in Jersey. So yeah, to ping me afterwards. All right. We'll
1: do. All right, Nate. Well, this was fascinating and quite enjoyable. And I think a great learning experience and I'm thrilled to see that, um, healthy building summit had a small part in this and, and maybe got you thinking toward, you know, first the big drop and, you know, things of that nature. So, uh, very interesting. We really appreciate you coming on. Is there anything you'd like to add before we go?
2: I think the biggest thing would be, I hope that through what we're building and hopefully some other people are doing something similar, we can actually apply all of the building science that we have known quite well for 20 years, because knowledge unapplied is basically useless. So let's go apply that knowledge.
1: Very good. Nate Adams, the house whisperer and the home comfort book. Can't forget the Home Comfort Book. If you get a chance, pick up the Home Comfort Book. goes through a lot of these details, uh, at least as far as that, that nice comparison between the car and the, and the house. I just, I'll never forget that one, Nate. Thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it.
2: My pleasure. Have a great day, gents. All right. Thank this is
1: Radio Joe
2: Hughes saying thanks to this week's guest,
1: the house whisperer, Nate Adams. And, of course, my co-host, the Z-Man, Cliff Zlotnick. John, you got to have faith at the controls, our sponsors, and most importantly, our growing, loyal audience. We love you all, and we hope to have you back here next Friday at noon for the next episode of IAQ Radio Plus.
0: For IAQ Radio, I'm Spike Reed saying thanks for listening.